Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. If you got your Bibles, hopefully you're there. Acts chapter 11, uh, or, or you can follow along in, in, in the bulletin this morning. Uh, and, and we'll dive in in just a moment. Uh, May of, of 2000, in May of 2013, uh, I, I found myself at an Acts 29 uh, church planting uh, boot camp uh, in Houston getting, getting training uh, and assessment for our potential church plant. Uh, and as, as part of the process, uh, I, met with, I met with three pastors uh, from all over, uh, Texas, New Mexico, and, and these guys, they were familiar with our, our vision uh, to be a, the, the vision to be a, a, a uh, diverse disciple-making church. Uh, and, and, and these guys also knew uh, that I had not had a lot of preaching reps coming into Brian. Uh, and, and so uh, one of, the, one of the, the, their conditions uh, for our planting was for me to listen uh, to a, a handful of, of uh, popular African-American uh, preachers uh, to, to glean insights uh, and, and on, on form uh, and style and, and other things. And, and looking, looking back, um, it, it's, it's funny to me uh, now, uh, and, and let, me, let me say this the right way, like, I, I understood the exercise, uh, and, and, and hear me, there are there's so many things. There's so many things that, that I, I love about uh, historically black churches, the, 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 the atmosphere, the worship, the, the call and response uh, to, to preaching. I'm just saying, y'all can get a little, y'all can get a little more vocal. Um, but, but church fan, let, 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 me, let me tell you uh, at, at the end of the day, like, and I don't know if you guys, if y'all were aware of this, um, but I, I'm a white boy. Um, and ultimately, uh, and, and, and again, let, let me say this the right way, ultimately, though, though there are absolutely, absolutely intentional things that we can do and should do uh, and need to be about to bring people together under the banner of the gospel, it is God who raises up His church. Amen. I don't know if y'all hear me this morning. Y'all, y'all are the 930 service, not the 8. It's God who raises up His church. Amen? Amen. And so though, though we, can, we can read books, we can, we can listen to podcasts, we can, we can learn from others around us, let me, just, let me just interject this. If we need to glean insights into uh, how, how to uh, spearhead a diverse disciple-making church and, and movement... Uh, we actually have a great picture of that in Scripture. Amen? Like we, we have a great picture of that in Acts chapter 11 with the church uh, at Antioch. And so this morning, I, I want to dive in, but as, as we do, 
Uh, and as we look at so, some, some of these keys to a diverse disciple-making movement, I, I believe it's an opportunity as we, as we dive in to look in the mirror and examine ourselves and, and ask this. Christian, uh, you need to ask, am I about these things? Am I about these things? Am I willing to do these things to move the church towards God's design? And so uh, is, uh, before, before we get into the text, I, I want to give you a little bit of background on Antioch. I'm going to fly through this for time's sake, but it's important to know. Uh, Antioch, uh, in modern day southeast Turkey, was the capital of the Roman province of Syria. Uh, it, was, it was 300 miles north of Jerusalem uh, and about 30 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, it was the, Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. So, so you, had, you had Rome. You had Alexandria and, and Egypt, uh, but Antioch, even then, uh, estimates are, the population, the estimate is that there were up to 500,000 people living in Antioch at this time. One-seventh of the population were, were Jewish. Uh, Kent Hughes says it like this, it was a melting pot for at least five cultures in Antioch, Greek, Roman, Semitic, Jewish, uh, Arab, and Persian. Tony Morita says this, uh, religiously, the city was pluralistic uh, and idolatrous. There were numerous Greek deities that were worshipped and revered there. Uh, uh, temple cult prostitution was a regular pattern and form of, wor of religious worship. Uh, it's been said that this was the sin city of Syria. Right. This was like the sin city of Syria. This was the the Las Vegas of the Middle East. Uh, and, and so naturally, God's like, let's start at, let's build my church there. Right. God's like, let's start a missionary movement. Let's start a gospel movement right there. But I want to look at three things this morning, three keys to to building a, a diverse disciple making movement. Are y'all ready? You got your spiritual seatbelts on? Okay, look at verse 19 through 21. This is the first point I want to make. If we're going to see this happen, if we're going to see diverse disciple-making movements, you need bridge-building gospel shares. Bridge-building gospel shares. Now, I know that's a lot of words. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, bridge-building gospel shares. Hey, that was, that was more in sync than the 8 o'clock, okay? Uh, look at your other neighbor and say, bridge building gospel shares. Wow, that was, that was amazing. Look at 19 through 21. The text tells us this. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Church family, this verse 19, it really takes us all the way back to the events of Acts 6 through 8. In the murder of Stephen and, and the subsequent widespread persecution that ensued for Christians, it, it really spread them out into Samaria. And here you see that, that once again, as, as, 
as the church encountered persecution, persecution became God's tool and it became God's instrument for for gospel proclamation into Syria and even even beyond Syria. And so right off the bat, you see two groups. So in, in ver- if you look at verse 19, we see a group who spoke the gospel. They proclaimed Jesus to the Jews only. But in verse 20, we're introduced to a group of people from Cyrene and, and Cyprus, which was Barnabas's hometown. And you see these guys spoke uh, the word of, of God. They spoke the, the gospel to the Hellenists. Uh, and, and it says that they, they spoke the word of the Lord. They spoke the word. Uh, in, in the Greek, it's this word, evangeliso. Evangeliso. And they, they were proclaiming Jesus as Lord. They were proclaiming Jesus as Lord in Antioch. And verse 21 says that the hand of the Lord was with them. And then notice, notice Luke's language in, in, in his report. And it really connects us back to Acts 2 in the re- earlier reports of God's movement in Jerusalem. It says a great number who believed turned to the Lord. A great number who believed turned to to the Lord. It's letting us know that, hey, what God was doing back in Acts 2 in Jerusalem, it's the same movement. The same movement is continuing. God's at work here in Syria, in Antioch. And a few things to take notice. First, is that the, these men were unnamed men. These men were unnamed men. These were the men who were responsible for, for taking the movement to Antioch. They, they ultimately, they, they were the ones who started the church at Antioch. It, it, no apostles, no, no deacons, no official church emissaries being sent out. In fact, listen, there are no names. How significant that the launching pad for this missionary movement, for church planting, for the gospel was started by a bunch of dudes with no names. Another important textual key is uh, what, what did Luke mean? We got to dive in on this. What did Luke mean by Hellenists? Did he mean Greek speaking Jews or, or did he mean Greek speakers in general? Greek speaking Gentiles. The, 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 text, the text is not 100% certain. Though we have, we have some later manuscripts that, that have the word for, for Greeks. The earliest manuscripts have Hellenists. The same word that Luke used in, in Acts 6.1. Uh, the same uh, word that uh, he used in Acts 9.29 to designate Greek-speaking Jews. However, it is widely believed that, that how, how Luke used this word was really uh, driven more by the context. And, and so I, I personally, and I encourage you to dig in, I, I personally tend to believe that the text is talking about Greek-speaking Gentiles for a few, few primary reasons. One is that it says that they were proclaiming Jesus as Lord. Not Jesus as Christ, but Jesus as Lord. And you say, well, why, why is that significant? Uh, well, Here's why it was significant, church fam. Caesar was Lord to the Greeks and Romans. 
Caesar was Lord, whereas Christos, Christ, was a uniquely Old Testament concept and figure who the, the, the Jews alone would have longed for. R.C. Sproul says it like this, In the Gentile environments, there was no expectation of a coming Messiah. They, uh, the, the Gentiles, were looking for, and they were open to the expression of one who would manifest lordship by saving them from calamity and by offering them life after death. So uh, in, in this environment, Caesar is Lord, and they come in and they say, no, 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 Jesus is Lord. Amen? Jesus is Lord. Number The second reason I, I, I lean toward Greek-speaking Gentiles is the, the, the Jerusalem church would not have sent Barnabas out, in my opinion, they would not have sent Barnabas out to investigate Greek-speaking Jews receiving the gospel because they, they were already a part of the church in Jerusalem. Y'all with me? We are, we've already seen this back in Acts chapter 6 with, with the, the, the widows that were being overlooked in the food distribution. They already had Greek-speaking Jewish uh, people in the Jerusalem church. I don't think that they would have sent Barnabas out for that. But they absolutely would have sent Barnabas out to investigate a widespread gospel movement among a predominantly Gentile population. No longer was it just Cornelius and his household. Now a whole city was being impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the third thing I would say is, it seems evident that Luke is setting up a contrast in verse 19 between those who were only sharing with Jews versus those who would share with non-Jews. So church, these these faithful men of Cyprus and Cyrene, listen, they were bridge-building gospel shares. Amen? They were bridge-building gospel shares. Like, don't, don't gloss over the massive shift of perspective and priority that needed to take place for them to get to this point. 1 Corinthians 9, 20-23 essentially says this, we are called to be all things for all people for the sake of the Gospel. Amen? We are called to be all things for all people for the sake of the Gospel. I had this conversation a couple years ago with, with a, a, a parachurch uh, ministry leader who who. Uh, we're, we're having we're having coffee, and he just looked at me and said, "What? Like, hey, Jonathan, why? Like, why? Why are you guys in downtown Bryan? Like, what? Like, what? Why? Why are why are y'all why are y'all doing that?" And he, and he looked me in the eye, and at one point in the conversation, he just said, "Jonathan, wouldn't it wouldn't it just be better? <clears throat> wouldn't it just be better if?" You let uh, uh, African Americans reach African Americans and Hispanics reach Hispanics uh, with the gospel. And, and I looked at him and I said, "Hey, listen, um, if God if God raised up a, a person of color to lead, to shepherd, to pastor restoration, if they, listen, I would I would turn it over in a heartbeat if that's what God called me to do." But for now, I told him, God, God has called me to be a bridge builder. And praise God that there is ample biblical precedent for this. Praise God that he sent Philip, an Israelite, 
to share the gospel with an African eunuch who would go and change the African continent for the sake of the gospel. Praise, praise God. Praise God for these Jewish men from Cyprus and Cyrene who went into Antioch and changed the city and changed the world with the, with the gospel by reaching a predominantly Gentile population. Praise God for Paul, Saul who would become Paul, the Israelite of all Israelites who was God's, who would become God's instrument to, re, to reach the Gentile world with the sake, for the sake of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Listen, church fam, here, here's, here's the point. Homogenous camps uh, sure look easier. Homogenous camps, they look easier. They just don't look like the church in Antioch. And they don't look like the kingdom of God for that matter. And so here's the application. Christian, are you positioned to be a bridge building gospel share let me ask that again are you positioned to be a bridge building gospel share you have to examine your relationships i'm not talking about your social media relationships <laughs> i'm talking about real relationships examine your your rhythms and your routines Ask, ask if God might be calling you to be stretched for his glory and for the good of others, even if those others don't look like you. God's calling us to be bridge building gospel shares. The second thing this morning is you need grace focused encouragers, grace focused encouragers. I want you to look at your neighbor and say grace focused encourager. Look at your other neighbor and say, grace-focused encourager. Awesome. Look at verse 22. It says this. The report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Verse 23, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. If we're going to see a diverse disciple-making church and, and movement, we need grace-focused encouragers. Listen, as we look at verse 22, we can't say for certain why Jerusalem didn't send Peter or, or another apostle to validate what was happening. But it seems, it seems that after the events of, of Acts chapter 10 and, and Peter's encounter with Cornelius, the apostolic approval, hey, it was already on God's movement among the Gentiles. Amen? So, so Barnabas, a, a, a Greek-speaking Jew from Cyprus, is sent out to investigate. And, and so... Now, now, church fam, look, look at verse 22 and check out what happens next. As you look at verse 22, in the middle of the Syrian Las Vegas, <laughs> in the middle of uh, the Syrian Sin City, all the commercialization, all the paganism, all the prostitution, all the depravity, all the spiritual darkness, 
Barnabas rolls in. And I know I'm dating myself, but like he could have. How easy would it have been for him to be like, like Dana Carvey, church lady from Saturday Night Live from back in the day? Like rolling up on Syria, like, look at all these sinners, right? <laughs> like, look at all these sinful people, right? Um, but what does he do? Notice what he keys in on. He keys in on the grace of God. And it says he was glad. Wow. Barnabas saw God. He saw God at work. He saw God moving. And and, and listen, make no mistake, to live out your faith in Antioch, like if you were there, it would have most certainly set you apart, but but it would have been costly as well. And so Barnabas saw that. And and, and let me me say it like this. I try to to talk to students all the time. I I try to explain to Christian students uh, about the the Bryan College Station Christian bubble uh, and that it's a real thing. Amen? It's a, it's a, you're like, what? Uh, it's a real thing. It's not, it's not normal to have like 14 Bible study options every week. Um, it, it's, not, it's not normal to have this pre-built Christian community. It's, it's, not, it's not normal to have so many great Bible teaching and Bible preaching local churches all around us. So like I, 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 I talk to students and, and I remind them that it, it can be at times fairly easy to live out your faith here. Like, like persecution, um, it, is not, it is not the Chick-fil-A employee forgetting to tell you that it was his pleasure. Okay? I know that was hard to hear or not to hear, okay? Antioch was about to come, become the hub city for missionary sending and gospel activity. But it is important to remember that it was a spiritually dark place. And into that, into that place came Barnabas. The son of encouragement. And verse 23 uh, says that he exhorted them. And, and I love this. That word in the Greek for exhort is parakaleo. It's parakaleo, to encourage or to console. And, and this is what I love about that word. It is the same Greek word, root word, where we, where we get our word for paraclete, which is what the word used to describe the Holy Spirit in John, in the Gospel of John. And just like the Holy Spirit's role is to guide us in truth and to glorify Jesus Christ, Barnabas here spurs the church at Antioch on to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And it's interesting, in the Greek, that word steadfast is the Greek word cardia, where we, uh, cardia, where we get our word for heart. And so, so here's what it's saying. Barnabas spurred on purpose and faithfulness at the heart level in every Christian that he encountered. Amen? Man, church, this is, this is getting beyond small talk. This is, this is getting beyond uh, surface level. This is, this is what I call getting out of Christian genericville, right? Like we live in genericville. Like, how are you doing? I, oh, I'm good. Man, I, I'm, I'm okay. 
I'm, I'm just dealing with some stuff. Like I'm, I'm, like I'm going through some things. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> Barnabas got to matters of the heart. He got to that heart level, level of mo- the, the, the heart level of motivation, and he encouraged Christians there. First Thessalonians 5:11 says, "Therefore encourage one another and build one another up." Just as you are doing now, now one one caveat that I would interject at this point, and I believe this is a huge point of, of application for the church today. Restoration, fam, encouragement, it must encompass the whole range of responsiveness and building up, including empathy. Amen. Romans twelve fifteen says this says, we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. So here's the picture. As we walk in community together and as we walk in the Spirit uh, of God together as a diverse body, church body of disciples and disciple makers of Jesus, it means we understand, listen, we understand what each person and what each situation calls for. Amen? Now hopefully, hopefully, we are mutually gracious toward one another when we blow it and we don't get the response quite right. Amen? But let's remember, encouragement captures meeting people where they are and seeking to give them what they need in the moment. But I would add to this, hey, listen, For all of us, all of us, our greatest need is Jesus Christ. Every single one of us. I don't care who you are. Our greatest need is the person in the work of Jesus. And so in the midst of a depraved and spiritually dark city, Barnabas helped the church at Antioch keep their focus on Christ alone. And I, in our local church, man, this is my prayer and this is my hope that God would raise up grace focused and grace filled encouragers to build up the body of Christ, to spur others on, listen, toward Jesus above all other things. Third thing this morning. If we're going to if we're going to see a diverse disciple making church and movement, you need disciple making Bible teachers. Amen. You need disciple making Bible teachers. I want you to look at your neighbor and say disciple making Bible teacher. That's right. That was super speedy. I want you to look at your other neighbor and say disciple making Bible teacher. There we go. Look at 25 and 26. It says this. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. See, verse 25, it's it's an important verse in Acts. Because it won't be long before the narrative shifts and Saul, who would become Paul, is going to be the main character moving forward in Acts. And at this point, Saul 
is 90 miles away from Antioch, hanging out in his hometown of Tarsus. See, after his conversion, and, and, and subsequent time in, in, in Arabia, and then, and then he, he has a, a short stint in Jerusalem, then he escapes to Caesarea, uh, and, and, and in Acts 9.30, we, we find that he's back in his hometown of Tarsus. So uh, understand this, church fam, the events of Acts chapter 9 are now 9 or 10 years in the rear view. The events of Acts 9 are now 9 or 10 years in the rear view. And the language of verse 25 is significant because when it says they looked for Saul, listen, the Greek word for look, it entails an extensive search. My, my belief is that no one for certain knew exactly where Paul, where Saul, who Paul was. He had, he had dropped off the scene. But church fam, I want you to grasp a couple of things. One grasp the significance of this moment in light of who the main character of Acts is fixing to be. But also, I want you to grasp the humility of Barnabas. Grasp the humility of Barnabas. You've been sent as the official emissary from, from the Jerusalem church, but, but far from rolling in like big deal Barnabas, right? Derek Thomas says this, the search for Saul reveals something extraordinary about Barnabas. He discerned that the church was in need of gifts that he himself did not possess. Wow. Barnabas knew that the young Antioch church needed someone other than himself to help advance the gospel mission there. And so verse 26, we see upon finding Saul and plugging him in at Antioch, the, the emphasis of the text, it shifts to teaching. In the Greek, this word didasko, it is teaching or instruction. And so for a year, these two men poured themselves in to teaching the young fledgling church at Antioch the word of God. And once again, we see this repetition. We see it in verse 21. We see it in verse 24 that a great, there was a great many people who were coming to faith in, in Jesus. Church is part of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, you got to teach, teaching them all that I commanded you. In a, in a diverse disciple-making church and movement. Listen, <laughs> the, Bible, the Bible is not like part of the teaching. It is the teaching. Like it's, it's, not, it's not a side dish. I, it's, listen, it's not even the main dish. Like it is the dish. Like it's the whole, it's the whole plate. Y'all hear me, church family? And, and so here, here's, why, here's why this is important. Disciple-making Bible teachers and, and, and leaders, listen, I, when, as, as, a, as a father, I, I know this. I'm well aware that my, my children, especially our four boys, as they get older, listen, they're not just watching what I, what, listening to what I say. They're watching what I do. They're, they're, they're observing my attitudes. They're observing my responses. They, like, they, they see all of dad's flaws and failures. And so the last thing I want to do is set myself up is the standard of righteousness. Because their dad, dad's still got dealing with some sin and brokenness. 
Last thing I want to do is, is set myself up as a standard of righteousness. Of course, I want to set an example. But ultimately, I want, to, I want them to see past their dad to the Redeemer who has saved and rescued their dad. Amen? This is why more and more, hear me, at restoration, we're, we're trying to break down to folks the difference between uh, mentorship and biblical discipleship. I talk to people who, who tell me all the time, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm discipling this person. And there's different variations of this conversation. But, but ultimately, uh, the, a lot of times the conversation, the way it goes down is I'll say, hey, Talk, talk to me about what that looks like. And so often what I hear is, well, uh, we, we get together and we, we kind of talk about what's going on in our lives and, and we, we, we break bread, we share coffee or a meal, we, we talk about our struggles, we, you know, some life lessons are imparted. And, and church, here's, here's the deal. That's fine. And there's a place for that. But that's, that, that's what I would call mentorship. And it has its place. But the, one of the downfalls of mentorship is you could end up looking a whole lot like your mentor, but not like Jesus. And so what the American church really needs is Christ-centered disciple makers. And if that's your aim, listen, hear me. God's word will be front and center. God's word will be the constant thread through every conversation, in every, in every meeting. The church, listen, the church at Antioch was built on the Bible. It was built on on the Bible, their only hope of survival and being set apart and in their city was to orient their lives around the scriptures, scripture that ultimately pointed them back to Jesus and to their life and their hope in Jesus Christ alone. And as our text ends in verse 26, it ends with an important reminder. It was at Antioch that they were first called Christians. It was at Antioch that, that you first see that this word, they coined the phrase Christian. And, it, and, and originally, it was meant to be a, 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 uh, a name uh, for, of, of ridicule. And it was coined by those outside, outside the, the faith in Antioch. Christ, Christian, Christ, I-A-N, I-A-N meaning a, a miniature replication of or, or a li, something little. So it's like they're going down the street and it's, there go those little Christ. But understand what was going on. There was something about their way of life. There was something about their speech and who they were that, that made others say those are little Christ. They look like Jesus. And Derek Thomas, wow, he says this, the name Christian was initially used. The name Christian this is important, was initially used to distinguish believers, not, not from non-Christians, but from Jews and Gentiles. Thomas says up until this moment, Everyone belonged to one or the other grouping. 
And he says, what is so distinctive in Antioch is that a third way emerged. Someone who was neither Jew nor Gentile, but Christians. He says, these followers of Jesus were regarded as a third race of men in the culture. There was something that revolutionary about them. I'll close, I'll close with this. Church, look around. Church, look around. We are, we are buying hook, line, and sinker ideologies that, that label us and keep us divided into different camps and groups, ignoring ignoring that the gospel cuts through all of that and creates something entirely new and countercultural. Amen? And here's the danger. Derek Thomas says this. He warns us sooner or later, nominal Christianity, I would say cultural Christianity, will accommodate itself to the pagan culture. It will attempt to adopt its values and conform to its level of acceptability. The result will be such that Christianity will itself become increasingly pagan. But what showed itself in Antioch was something entirely countercultural. Something entirely different. And so th th this is the call, church family. This is the call. Do we believe that the gospel is the power of God to save? Not, not only vertically from the righteous wrath of God on sin, but horizontally from biting and devouring one another in a spirit of gracelessness as we continue to care. Praise God. Praise God that when the gospel hit the hearts of those in Antioch, everything changed as, as this diverse church came together. And if, and maybe that's a big if, if the good news of Jesus Christ has hit our hearts, why, why would we expect to see anything different? Y'all pray with me this morning.